Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We have a very interesting topic to talk about. Not that we haven't talked about this before, but Michelle, it's a new year. It's a new you. We just talked about the new years. We just talked about, you know, obviously 2021, what's coming up in 2022. We've talked about wage hikes and uh, how it's impacting businesses, consumers, everyone globally in an inequitable way. So what else could we possibly talk about in the month of January? I think it is new jobs. New jobs. (laughs) You know, it's funny. We both know that I like change. And so when you just say new jobs, it makes me happy. Because if you've ever done Strength Finders, guys, we've talked about Strength Finders a little bit, but if you've ever done Strength Finders, it kind of tells you like the places that you tend to flourish or excel. And even though Learner is my seventh and Strength Finders focuses on your top five, I think that's what I like about newness is that it forces you into a place where your mind has to think different. You have to look at things differently. And that's exciting for me. It's one of the reasons I love being around other people's children. And that I don't mean that to be creepy. I mean my nieces and nephews. But it's one of the reasons I like seeing the world through them. And they think I'm a phenomenal aunt is because I try to give them experiences because I enjoy watching the thrill that they have when they do something for the first time or do something exciting. So when you say new jobs, a lot of people probably cringe. I used to remember that. And now I'm like, let's do this. (laughs) I love it. Actually, a good friend of ours who was a recent speaker on our podcast, Joe recently had his anniversary at work for 25 years. And it's just interesting. It's just crazy for me to see a 25-year anniversary uh, because that is common. And I and I say that because I work in HR, I work in the back end of the system. So I pull different analytics for different companies that I, I've supported and they're there. You do have people who have been with companies for over 20 years, which is great. It's a great selling point, Michelle, because a lot of the times you can say, you know, there's been so much tenure and like, I'm the only newest person on this team, blah, blah, blah. Like, Things like that that you can uh, mention during an interview process to a candidate that makes it seem like, wow, people have been there a long time. They must really love it. But if everyone's been there for not a long time, does that mean that they don't love it? I don't really know what the the answer to that is because people are turning over jobs for different reasons and different positions. And I don't know if tenure is as important as it once used to be. I agree with you. And I don't think, I don't think, that it speaks to whether you love or do not love a company based on whether you're there two years or 25 years. Yo, um, I was hired the exact same year that our friend Joe was hired at that company. So we were newbies at the same time. I did not make it to 25 years though. Lots of influence, Michelle, lots of influence. Um. (laughs) You know, here's, you know, it's funny when I talk about 
how much I love new jobs and new change, I started thinking about it. So what was I like 17 years at FedEx? Yeah. It was like 17 years. It was a really long time. But as you were talking through Joe, I actually counted on my hand. So in that time, and I think this is probably the reason it sort of reinforces my love of change in my mind. In that 17 years, I changed actual job descriptions 12 times. And each time was either a promotion or a lateral to a different division of the company. So like from ops to sales or from sales to HR. I worked in all divisions within the company. So from ops, sales, and human resources. I also worked for 10 different managers. That's a lot of change over 17 years. And then because you were in the training department, you know this to be a fact. Even though my title didn't actually change the scope of our job in training, it was like we rebuilt the house every year, right? It was like, here's what you're going to do this year. No, here's what you're going to do this year. Like, And I don't just mean a little bit of change. Like it went from you're responsible for supporting the learning and development of 200 people to you're responsible for supporting the development of 800 people across 10 states to you just train leaders, to you train frontline people, to you only train executives and they go out and train other people. So dramatic shifts even within that same job description or that same job title. So maybe for him, that was an element I feel like changing responsibilities. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you said maybe for him, it was a, it was that element of changing responsibilities when, within the company, right? And so maybe it's not so much you're changing companies, but you're changing jobs within the company that still feels like the constant change that you need in the environment, right? And there was so much change there over the years. And it makes sense, you know, to continue evolving a department or organization to the different evolution of people, especially when you take a look at training and development. People learn differently. There's new concepts that come out. I think it's really important as as your business continues to evolve, taking a look at that shift. But seeing, you know, not necessarily just being at the same company, but getting experience in other companies too, because companies change, especially large companies, and you could probably attest to this, they change, but they change a lot slower because they don't want to like rip off a Band-Aid and, you know, revamp anything, right? They want it to evolve slowly. So when you go to work at new companies, you get different experience that you may not have had before. Would you agree, Michelle? Absolutely. I think you're able to look at what is good and what is not good. And you're able to incorporate that into what you bring to the workplace. I have spoken multiple times about a pretty significant transition that happened at Wendy's when I worked for Wendy's corporate offices. And I have to tell you, hands down, Todd Pentagore, the CEO of Wendy, he taught me what good change management 
at an organization that size and class. Now, I suspect it wasn't just him. He was the face of it. There were probably a ton of people involved. There weren't probably, there were a ton of people involved. But they taught me, like, the bigger you are, the longer it takes. And then I could even take that and look at the mistakes that I and even other organizations had made um, before. Like even you and I both have um, have always had pretty good things overall to say about FedEx as an organization. But when I think through some of the things that we in the development department, and it wasn't just us, it was driven by organizational change. So I'm not pinning all this on the HR or the L&D department, but they would absolutely roll something that out that was a 180 degree shift in behavior. And yet when it wasn't successful for 18 months, they were like, scrap it, let's start all over. Well, you're, you're trying to change 70,000 people's skill set to make them proficient in the exact opposite of what they used to do. Calm down. It's going to take a minute. But that was not something that we did well. True. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that is something different for every company and how they how they manage that. And it's good. It's a good takeaway. But here's the thing, guys. So I want to point out when it comes to new jobs. Right now, I want to talk to employers. In just a second, I'll talk to... We'll talk a little bit to individuals. But let's talk to the employers and the, the business owners for just a second. There are a couple of things that are probably weighing pretty heavily on your business right now that that are making things difficult. Obviously, COVID-19 and the pandemic. The desire to try to achieve some diversity, equity, and inclusion. You, Let's be honest, you haven't even come close to equity inclusion. Right now, you're struggling to get some diversity for some of you, right? But that's weighing on your mind. Now you've got this mass exodus of employees that could be weighing on your minds. And what you are probably doing is just asking your existing team to paddle harder so that the ship doesn't sink. Um, And that is getting you to a place where you're going to see more people exit the business. So new jobs. It's time to not just think about a new job as another company, but to think about new jobs within yourself. Perhaps it is time for you to start asking yourself, well, that pay question in our previous podcast would be a good place to start. But it's time to start redefining positions. If you are not going to fill empty positions, or if it is taking significantly too long to backfill those positions, then you need to think about true redefinition of roles and responsibilities so that your existing employees don't get completely stressed out and leave you also. It's true. And that also creates the whole circle of burnout we talked about. (laughs) Right. Turnover, burnout, turnover, burnout, rehire, do it all over again. (laughs) Yep. 
And you know, one of the places, if you've never done this before, one of the places you can start is with workforce planning and start to ask yourself, based on what you need to get done, who are the people and what are the skills that you need? That's the core of where you start. And if you're not able to fill those positions, then you might have to start get creative with what positions in your company look like today versus yesterday. Kind of like in um, our last podcast, or maybe it was two podcasts ago. I think it was two podcasts ago. I talked about how AJ pivoted his business or even Nicole, who we've had on our podcast several times, figured out how to pivot their business offerings or their business marketing to address the current state of the world, you might have to start thinking creative like that. Uh, If you're not going to change pay and you're not going to be able to fill those positions quickly, it's time to reassess what or how people do jobs in your current environment. You can. How about people, Michelle, who are looking? They are part of the Great Reshuffle. This is my favorite conversation. (laughs) I really feel like when it comes to coaching, there are a few things that I do really well. But I feel like my niche is right in that place of people trying to find something different. And so the first advice that I give people when they ask me, what should I do? So I'm going to ignore all of the advice that revolves around your situation. So there's always some advice or some activities that we do based on whether you're leaving a job because you want to grow, because you're trying to run away, because you don't make enough money, because your boss is a jerk. Whatever's driving you to think about leaving there's always going to be something that you need to figure out around that. But after we get past that point, the next question really becomes defining what makes you happy. Now, here's the thing. I'm never going to make you take those crazy quizzes. I took them before where they're supposed to predict what kind of jobs are good for you. Those things have never worked out for me. (laughs) What I do instead is just have you think through what you do every day, what you're responsible for today, and what of those things come so easy for you, it feels like it's not even work. Those are the things that are your strengths. If you can do something, and I don't even want to say it makes you happy, because that's not really what we're looking for. Hopefully, the things that are your strengths make you happy, but sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's simply, you're just easy. It's almost like you intuitively do them. If you've never thought about it that way, another way of thinking about it is, what are the areas of your life where you might get a little frustrated because it takes other people two or three times to catch on? Typically, that's because you're like, I don't get it. Why is this so flipping hard? It's because it's something that is ingrained for you. It is a strength. It is something that you do well, right? So think about what those things are that you do well. Here's the thing. If you can move into a job that allows you to do just 10% more 
of the things that you do well. You'll never find a job where you only do what is your strength. I still have to do expense reports. I freaking hate them. Maria knows that for sure. (laughs) But you're always going to have to do those things, right? But if you can just increase doing the things that you are good at by 10%, you'll increase your happiness in your job twofold because you have something to balance it. So what I usually tell people, and, and we usually do this through an activity, is let's work through what it is in your job that is easy and fun for you. And then we start defining what kind of jobs that could mean in future. Unless your industry is so niche that you would require a significant amount of training to do anything else. I encourage people to jump industry. Maria, you and I have both jumped industries in our career. And I think just like you said earlier, leaving companies helps you grow as an employee. Being in different industries helps you grow as well. It helps you question the status quo. I found it probably most prevalent when I jumped into manufacturing. And HR in manufacturing is really just kind of in a lot of manufacturing. Sorry, guys, for those of you, this doesn't apply. In a lot of manufacturing, HR is an administrative function. You sit on site in a cement office with no windows where your job is to do all of the coaching and counseling for all of the people at that site. Their direct supervisor may or may not be required to sit in on the meeting depending on your company. But HR sort of has become what the workforce believe to be uh, the bad guy or the decision maker or the roadblock in getting stuff done um, because of the way they're set up. And I was able to bring things into place, particularly working coming from restaurants where HR is primarily a remote support department because restaurants are scattered all around the world. So you can't possibly have an HR person in every location. I was able to bring that in an environment where my team could work from home during a pandemic and not lose a beat and not lose relationships. So I never suggest that you stick to an industry. If you're willing to go outside of it, do so. And we talk through that in that process as well. Typically, after we do that, there is usually a conversation around the person and the person's hangups or hiccups. Usually, a person has a reason that they've stayed in a job for... 25 years, and it is not often because they just love a place. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to put it out there. A lot of times it's because it was a first job. If somebody's been somewhere 25 years, it is probably one of their first professional jobs. They may have hangups where they think that's all they can do. I can actually remember a moment in my 17 year career probably around nine years where I go, I guess, what I do for a living. And it was more from a place of resignation than it was excitement when I said it. 
that sort of reinforce this is what I have to do, not this is what I get to do. And so a lot of people have some hangups and some fears around what that job jump will mean. A lot of people also have fears around jumping laterally or jumping lower. I don't believe in a career ladder. I think it's stupid. I wish we could destroy that image. I believe that a career should be about growth. um, And growth does not necessarily mean climbing. Think ivy. Don't think um, ladder. So don't think heights. Think growth. And so we, we usually talk through all of those pieces as well. Until you are emotionally in a place, and Maria, I will always be grateful for you and a friend of ours who will remain nameless because I don't want her to get in trouble. But you both supported those elements for me when I decided to leave a job of 17 years. And it definitely required some emotional conversations, whether you want to embrace that or not, whether you want to think it's just business. That is a bullshit statement. It is your life. It is not just business. You need to have that. And I was lucky that you and Miss O to guide through that process. A coach can help you if you seek out a career coach at Real Talent. We're there for for you, but also at other companies. It isn't until you get past that emotional crap that you're hanging on to where the steps of action should take place. And then they become very tactical. They become, what are you looking for an employer? If you were to work in a place that thrilled you every day, what would they do? For some people... They're going to say they have a great social footprint. They give back to their community. So we start to look for that. At the same time, we start to look at the resume. Guys, if you still have a chronological resume that tells people what you did from high school to every job in chronological order, you've got to stop. People do not care every minute of every day that you spent with your life. They care about the experience you've learned along your journey and how that's going to contribute to the role that they're hiring you for. So it's time to take a hard look at that resume. Maybe even reach out to an expert like AJ if you need to go super expertise and really disassemble that resume and rebuild it based on what you're looking for. Employers need independent, um, self-motivated folks. They need people who will think creatively, but they also need to know that you're willing to jump in the box when your creativity is overwhelming. So they want to see elements of all of that in your resume, that you can be a team player even when you don't agree on the solution, but that you're also willing to step back and say, this isn't working, what can work? And then we start talking through and prepping for how you best showcase yourself once you start going that interview process. How do you showcase yourself 
in a way where they truly know what they're getting, but in a way where they understand that you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. There was a shift when I walked away after 17 years, there was a shift that I made in my entire work persona where it was like, I'm going to tell you the truth about who I am, good, bad, or ugly. And I'm going to ask that you do the same because I want us both to be happy. I don't want to sucker you in to hiring me when I'm not the right person. Um, But I definitely don't want you to sucker me into a company that doesn't make me happy. It's true. And there's so many people out there that are like that, where there's uh, challenges uh, or aspects of the position that don't make them happy or don't make them happy anymore. Because like we mentioned before, companies continue to evolve and sometimes they pivot the directions they're going and it may not always align with yours. If you're still with a company that's staying status quo on how they treat their people, pay rates, you know, meetings, how they conduct their business strategy from, you know, 20 years ago, that's going to be highly concerning because a lot's changed and evolved with the human aspect and consumer goods over the last 20 years. I doubt that that's going to be the case, but when things change, people change uh, or people stay constant and the business changes. And so I don't think it's a bad thing to seek out a new opportunity if there's aspects of your position that no longer bring you joy and happiness. And it's like the whole Marie Kondo thing, right? Like taking a look at something in your life and and asking yourself, does this bring me joy? Now, I am not a huge proponent of, of job hopping. I don't think it looks great on a resume. Um, I think there are aspects of gaps in your employment that makes sense. Um, Whether you're having a kid, you know, you have personal things going in your life. And I think the way we look at resumes these days should change. Now, everyone defines job hopping very differently. If you're literally changing jobs every four to 12 weeks, there's something concerning there. And you really need to, you know, take a step back and evaluate, you know, and get a coach like Michelle said. So I think those are some of the the components you need to assess and take a look at. But I think like Michelle said, I think it's spot on when you take a look at if you're looking for a new year, a new you, a new position, those are the aspects you need to consider. So Michelle, any last words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, you know what, this is going to be completely against my grain of, yes, let's do something new. I want to remind you, like I said about that job I had for 17 years, or it doesn't mean you have to hop jobs to a new job, just be, or a new company, let me rephrase that, just because the rest of the world is doing it. And that's that first conversation. Why are you leaving? Um, or why are you looking? And make sure you're doing it for the right reasons for you, your life, and your family. And making sure that it's the right fit. Because Maria, I've also worked with people where we've been able to adapt their role in a way that it made them happy in their their existing position. So self-reflect, think about where you're at, then seek help to get you through to whatever next happens to be for you. 
Love it. Um, so if you're a business, focus on, on the priorities of engagement, culture, and reach out to us if you have any questions. If you're an individual contributor, you're focusing on a new you and you really need some assistance, reach out to us from a coaching perspective. We'll help kind of inspire that. Or if you need a new resume, we have some resources as well. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.